Chita, welcome to the Data Bytes podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us today. Thank you, Saidi, and thank you for the invite. I've been looking forward to this, and I know it has been rescheduled a couple of times, so today's the day. Let's make the most of it. Yes, and we will because I've been following you for a while, and I was at an awards dinner in the fall, and you won an award there, and I'm just so impressed with everything you do to support women in technology. You're the member of the Board of Advisors for Nerdy Girls. You're also one of the founding members for Chief, but then you lead, you are the vice president for data analytics platforms at eBay. And I was like, I, I have to have you on the podcast. There's so many great things that we can dive into that will be relevant for our audience. So to get us started, can you just give us a little bit of a background on what a day-to-day looks like for you as the vice president of data analytics platforms at eBay? Well, it depends on the day, but if <laughs> I were to take a typical day, I love coming to work. So I've started coming to work three days a week. My leadership team is also there. We are always huddling around whiteboards and computer screens because right now I'm in the middle of deploying a platform that we built and the usability test is us. So we are dog fooding our own product before we kind of make it GA and generally available for everybody else. Um, I do do a lot of meetings. So I would define meetings in three categories. The first one is kind of level set on all the responsibilities that my organization and I have towards eBay. And they are, they sound fluffy, but basically what we do is we are the custodian of eBay's marketplace data. So I want to make sure that all the data pipelines that we build and are consumed by eBay the SLA and the SLE, the service level agreement of making it available at 3 a.m. in the morning and 8 a.m. in the morning and beautiful dashboards show me if it's green, red, or yellow. So that's my first task. If it's red, there's a Slack message which goes out, what happened? Why are we red? Why are we late? Tell me a little bit and I get some answer. And this is not a formal meeting, but more offline exchange of information. The second type of meeting is getting the progress update on the data initiatives that we have signed up to in 2023, which again, is this, the Uber message is the same, making sure that we manage the pipeline from ingest to insights, making sure that we build the tools and the platforms which are makes data democratization easier and accessible to everybody, respecting the compliance, privacy, and governance guidelines, and ultimately, always defining insights from data using science. And the initiatives initiatives that we have set up or we have defined this year does all three. Some are almost novel idea, building it from incubation stage. Some are, we built it last year, it's an adoption stage. And some are run the business. We have to do this. This is our DNA. Make sure the lights are on and make sure that eBay goes forward towards data-driven decisions and data-driven enhancement of customer experiences. A lot of my other meetings are actually one-on-ones, which I love. I love meeting with people. I love meeting with new team members. We are just going to have a promo dinner later tonight, celebrating all the promotions. So I would say a typical day is 50-50. A lot of it's on 
the product and the tech responsibilities. And a lot of it is what I'm passionate about doing, developing careers, developing people, developing leadership. I love the clarity and organization you have on the type of meetings that you participate in and accept on your calendar. And I'm curious, have you always had this clarity of like, or and was this intentional of, I'm going to spend my time in these three different areas, right? The I have to have the data pipelines going at all times. It's essential, right? We have key initiatives and then one-on-ones, or is this something that as you've grown in your leadership style, you develop this clarity for what three priorities you need to have? I think the latter. I think when I started out as a manager first, as a first-time manager, I would had a tendency to micromanage everything. So I would not only attend the, the scrum of the scrum meetings, which I really shouldn't be attending. I should delegate that to my managers and these amazing people who are in my organization. But I also attended the update meetings to senior leadership. So my day was was so long. One of my colleagues thought I would have a heart attack because I was managing everything from what is the requirement? How do we build a user story around it? How do we deliver? What are the risks and challenges? From soup to nuts. And they, being a new manager, I was also learning how to be a good manager and then coaching others as a good manager would. And I think from there, I have evolved into these two broad categories of saying, I am a product and a tech leader. I am a people leader. They are priority one and priority one. There is no differentiation in in any. So I have to make sure that I have the best of the best people as my leadership team. I'm going to delegate them full responsibility. And I'm going to have a sync up every three weeks, every two weeks, every month if necessary on the progress update because we generally chat a lot on Slack anyway. And because I'm relying on them to come to me and say, oh, there is a red flag or you'll get a escalation. That's that's what I'm relying on them for. So I'm not going to micromanage. Consci- I consciously shifted my focus towards the initiative level view rather than user story and a JIRA level. That was consciously done. The second one, what I realized is I have a passion for growing people. And that, when you were introducing myself, you said I was on the advisory board, I was a co-founder of Chief, and that is an extension of my passion. There is nothing more that I enjoy than having conversations, especially for new joiners, people who are recent college grads, people who are interns, people who just joined the company. I just made a fantastic fantastic leader leading my experimentation team who yesterday was day two and I was saying wow I am learning so much from them because they are coming in with fresh pair of eyes new ideas new technology and I can give back to them because of my experience because of my kind of non-linear career that I had and that I consciously make sure I have an opportunity to talk to every member of my 200 plus organization at least once during the year 
And a lot of time that is part of my all hands networking, my travel to different places to make sure I have FaceTime with them. And so that is a passion which I found out I had and I nurtured it. And I not only do the organization level meetings, but I also mentor, sponsor, coach, advise, counsel, many beyond that. That is truly something I enjoy doing. I love it. And I think, you know, one of the things that really resonates with me is what you said in terms of shifting your mindset from JIRA level tasks, right, to initiatives. And I think our audience can relate to that a lot, being a technical audience. If you're moving from an individual contributor technical role into a technical leadership role, it can be difficult because you're so used to being in the details and having that detail level of expertise. But I love that quick tip you provided of just shifting from that JIRA level focus to an initiative level focus. I think that shift and just the mindset shift in and of itself can help a lot of new managers and as you love to mentor, I think that's the whole goal is we, we learn and make mistakes ourselves and, and grow in that and share our knowledge with others so that hopefully their process into leadership and finding their own leadership style is a little bit smoother. So thank you. I want to shift gears just a thank little. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> let, let, me just, let me just add what, one, more, one more sentence. And I want, to, I want to tell your audience that being a manager I know there are books written. I know there are papers and coaching classes and executive coaches. But being a manager and having a, your own managerial style is truly unique. And it's an evolving journey. Nobody is a best manager from day one. Nobody is. I, I don't believe. I don't even know what best is. So I what each one of you who are listening to this podcast, if you are transitioning from IC to a manager, it is going to be a journey. It is a combination of learning from others, learning from whatever other medium you have. It could be coaching, it could be book, as well as adaptation. Because the if you have a team, you're also going to adapt your style towards the team, no matter what your blueprint said initially. So I want you to take away that there is no thing called a perfect manager management is a combination of the needs of the day, your authentic style and what you bring to the table and an evolving journey. Even now for me, every day I learn something new and I'm reading this book called The Fearless Organization and I, I realize that one of the other priorities I have is to create a psychologically safe environment for Everybody to speak up, everybody to be their authentic selves, everybody to question and opine and add their wisdom. So it is an evolutionary journey always. Thank you for that. I think you just lifted a weight off of maybe a lot of people's chests and that there is no perfect manager out there. Just even saying that in and of itself allows us to have that space to find our own authentic self. So I appreciate your remarks out there. Shifting gears a little bit more into some of the initiatives you're leading and driving at eBay. I know something that's top of mind for you is how you leverage data to make informed decisions. So can you explain to us a little bit more 
it's it seems like you like threes and things. So are there top three areas that you're driving to lead to more informed decisions at eBay? And, and what do those look like? Our vision statement is to empower eBay with data for better decision-making and customer experiences. If you look at our vision statement and then look at the bottom of our tech stack, so I'm going to go south to north. The bottom of our tech stack is data. It's a raw data. It's ingested from various sources. We then orchestrated, we curated, and we make it presentable to through different pipes. One pipe could be just plain visualization. One pipe is a metrics and analytics pipe. Third one is data science-driven algorithmic modeling pipe. So we are going to produce model, recommendation model, customers like you model. And the fourth one would be, these are the top 20 business metrics, which we will curate from the source all the way to the sink for consumption by executives and others who will monitor the progress of, of the company. If you then ask yourself, well, how do we make better decisions with all this data? One of the key decision-making elements or platforms used by everybody in an internet company is called experimentation. It is about testing to validate a hypothesis. So for example, if eBay builds a feature, it could be a product feature, it could be a design change, it could even be going from an old stack to a new stack, a tech stack migration, what we call it. We want to test out A versus B. So when we run an experiment, we analyze the data, we do it on a sample because it is obviously difficult and costly to get the entire population. The sample is then used to make inferences about the population. And underlying science is statistics and linear regression, which helps determine whether the result is due to some factor of interest or not. Experimentation also helps you track and measure which changes have the most significant impact and which are the indicators. Because it is controlled, you know precisely what is being tested and what are the effects of that specific experiment is. So this notion of iterative experimentation ensures that product teams, at least in eBay, will make data-driven decisions about how the product and the user experience should evolve. So it not only helps you decide on A versus B, but gives you analysis on the most important business metrics that it will impact if you choose B over A. And across eBay, we use the experimentation platform as a key enabler of deciding, as I said before, a new feature, a design change, a tech stack, with a clear understanding, if I do B over A, well, these are the best business metrics which are impacted, and these are the direction in which they move. Let me pause to see if that answers your question. That is number one. Yes, that is very helpful. I, I have a following question to the experimentation, which is, 
how do you build a culture around this idea of experimentation? Is this something that just happens very naturally at eBay with the type of people that you hire that already have that data-driven mindset? And when they want to implement a change, they're like, okay, we need to test it first. Or is this something that you're having to reinforce and drive to make sure that experimentation is ingrained in every part of the business? I would say the latter. I don't think so. Anybody comes and joins eBay and say, hey, we have thought of a feature. We thought of an idea. We have identified a hypothesis and I'll make up one. The green search button is going to be much better than the search icon that we have on eBay. All right. That's a great hypothesis. Do we know it'll work? We don't. All right. How do we find out if the green search button is better than the search icon? We need a tool to test it out. And the experimentation gives you that opportunity to test a hypothesis. It might fail. It might succeed. If it fails, you don't build the feature. You, you know, save the company some money, them time. If it succeeds in the small sample, as I mentioned before, then we, we productionalize it. We now extend it to the population. And when asked by our leadership teams, why did you choose B? Well, there is a data-driven decision. These are the metrics it helped move. We looked at engagement metrics. We looked at conversion metrics. We looked at gross merchandising volume metrics. And they all three moved in the same direction. So therefore, we came to a conclusion that the green search button is better than the search icon. Now, to get into that mindset, it is a culture. It is not writing code. It is not your success is determined by how much code you commit. Your success is determined by have you thought of the right idea? Are you building the right feature? Are you making sure that the feature has a positive impact on the key bus business metrics by which the business success is measured? That's what the success is of a software development engineer or of a product manager or of a design engineer. And that culture is slowly ingrained through data literacy. We have a lot of classes we offer through Data Analytics University. University run for eBay by eBay. The content is created by all my product managers. They are the teachers. We offer quarterly courses and then some foundational courses like a role-based learning. If you're a new joiner, here are the five data classes you take. If you're a product manager with experience, here are the six data classes you take. And one of them is experimentation. It is a tool set to measure the efficacy of what you are building. And once it is ingrained, then you realize my job as a software engineer is not only to come up with an idea, build the code and push it out, but it is come up with an idea, test it out, see if it works, see if it has a good impact on the business metrics. If it's yes, then code it up, do the quality test, do the CICD at that point of time, and then push it out for general availability, knowing full well 
that we have tested the hypothesis before we went into full gram production. So yes, it is culture. We offer the training, we offer the coaching, we offer the whys. Uh, when you do a launch launch announcement, rah, rah, we launch this. We want to see some measurements attached to that. We are launching this feature because during our experiment, it gave us very positive signals on these conversion methods. And, and that's how it's, it's a, it, again, an iterative process is not that, oh, one day you wake up and all of us are gung-ho on experimentation. It is an evolving culture. It comes from the top. And thankfully, eBay is hugely driven by data and wants to measure what can be measured. And experimentation is a key part of that. So I like what you're saying that it is a continuation, right? It's something that doesn't come naturally to any of us. It's something we all have to learn and work on and continue to take classes to implement into our lives, this culture of experimentation. And I'm curious, does this also happen in terms of using analytics for business processes internally? So you talked about using experimentation for your end product that's customer facing, but do you also bring that culture of experimentation in terms of internal business processes and how do you use experimentation in internal business analytics today if you do? So the ex example I gave you initially, I ch deliberately chose three. I said, you can experiment on a new feature or a product that you are about to launch. You can experiment on a design change that are about to launch. And both these are external customer facing. But you can also experiment on tech stack migration. We do that a lot. When we are building a new tech stack over an old tech stack, our ex there is a continuous ex experimentation at every layer to make sure that the new tech stack at every layer is indeed better by X. And how do, you, how do you measure X? X is measured through experimentation, through statistical significance, through a p-value what we use today. And therefore, yes, we are going in the right direction. So that the experimentational analytics is hugely important for internal stuff too, when, especially when we are um, building new tech stacks to make our internal system, our internal eBay tech stack more modern, more scalable, more aligned with security, etc. There are many, many reasons we do tech stack migration, but that's a, a key example of how we use it internally. And we must use it internally as well to make sure that not only are we building it the right way for internal consumption, but we are also building it the right way for external consumption because the entirety of customer experience is on top of this tech stack. If you had to summarize everything that you've said in terms of experimentation into one piece of advice for organizations to be able to leverage data to make informed decisions, what would that one piece of advice be in terms of how to get started? So 
I, I, you got to, you got to see, I'm very passionate about this area, right? So yes, I, I not only talk to my internal teams to build a robust experimentation platform, but then I go and convince my customers, which are the internal product teams to use that platform to come back to us and tell us if the platform is too slow or not robust enough or the metrics takes too long to onboard, whatever it is, come to us, escalate, make a noise, but don't stop using the platform just because there are deficiencies in the platform team. So I, if I summarize everything, I would say if you are a product manager or a product development lead and you are going to build a new feature, which is going to be launched very soon. And you have a gut feeling that it is going to change the world and it's going to be huge. I would still ask you to do an A-B testing on the experimentation platform to decide the efficacy of this new feature versus without the new feature. And if you come up with a hypothesis, select the right metrics, select the right audience, and run the experiment for the right amount of time, you will be able to now say that because of the analytics which we collected due to the experimentation, we have made a data-driven decision from idea, hypothesis, test, measure, and decide. All these should be trustworthy, reliable, and data-driven. I love it. It's, you know, I've heard a lot of different opinions on how to, how to drive a data-driven culture, how to enable data-driven decision-making at your organization, but nothing so simply put as it all comes down to experimentation and to take the statistical results from that experimentation and make a decision based on what the data truly is telling you. So thank you for coming on and sharing it so succinctly and providing us with such great tips to dive into the culture of experimentation at our organization. But before we wrap up today, you. always like I always like to chat about a couple rapid-fire questions and have some fun on the podcast. So if you're ready, I'd love to start with our first rapid-fire question. Go ahead. All right. What is the song, podcast, or book that you can't put down right now? Ooh. At this point of time, I am obsessed and reading it the third time now a book called The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson from Harvard Business School. I, I feel like if you've read it three times or on your third time, this is a classic book. So I'm writing it down and adding it to my list for sure. So thank you. Favorite place you travel? It is one of those books where you, oh, it's one of those books where you, where you continuously learn from. And therefore, when I read a chapter on, let's say, dangerous silence. I read the chapter and then I go back to it and then I annotate on the sides of the book and I said, oh, this is what it means to be quiet in a meeting. 
this is these are some examples of what happened when people didn't speak up. So it is just like my evolving managerial leader journey. This is also my evolving learning journey on how to create psychological safety in the workplace. Favorite place you've traveled? Machu Picchu in Peru. Happiness I hiked is... it in 2018. <laughs> Happiness is my 14-year-old daughter's surprise text saying, love you, mommy. Oh, that's also amazing. In the next five years, I hope to... Paid forward through mentoring, advising, counseling, STEM students in high school and college, early career journeys, transition journeys, and leadership journeys. And last but not least, to me, curiosity is? Curiosity is learning something new so that it is an absolutely brand new experience for me, which I never thought of in my wildest dreams. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today's podcast. If individuals want to connect with you and learn more and be inspired with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Thank you so much, Sadie. This was a wonderful conversation and I enjoyed being on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, a big thank you. Remember to stay curious and keep learning and we'll catch you next time on the Data Bytes podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Data Bytes podcast. If you're looking for more resources to further your data career or find your tribe, we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org. See you on the other side.